listen the way you want. Now, we return on The Morning Drive. News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. And joining Anthony and I online now is Matt Dickinson, a political science professor at Middlebury College. Good morning, Matt. Good morning to you. Thanks for being on The Morning Drive today. And uh, so, Matt, did you get a chance to watch the debate last night? Every painful moment. <laughs> uh, I, I, I feel your pain. <laughs> I will just say that. We all do. As Bill Clinton used to say, I feel your pain. Um, so what, do you, what was your take on it? Just give us your initial take on the debate. Well, I don't think it shook a lot up. Of course, at this point, given the polling, um, you're basically positioning yourself to be the alternative to Trump here. Uh, and your primary audience is really Iowa and New Hampshire. But most important, you're looking to solicit support from donors, uh, the political activists. It's what we call the invisible primary. Nothing that happened last night told me that uh, um, somebody stood out. Some, everybody had a moment. Everybody had um, what they would like to put back, I think, uh, take back. Um, I, I hesitate to fall into the trap of declaring winners and losers. Um, but um, because everybody just benefits by getting that exposure. Um, but I didn't see a lot of movement among other people, which I think probably helps somebody like a DeSantis or um, a Nikki Haley, um, who seemed to be, Haley in particular, is having a polling moment here. Yeah, I, I, that seems to be the general consensus. Uh, we've got a call for you, so let's, uh, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning. Yes, I I just was so fascinated with the debate last night, and I, I just was seeing that it was almost a, a replay of of well, it was very a very different day debate. But I saw how Nikki Haley just seemed to be the shining star of the night, and. I I was just wondering if your other listeners were were seeing it that way as well that she seemed to be the adult in the room and and I really particularly thought was interesting how she she just always hits it with with uh, always being able to talk about the the the, the solutions rather than than just all these sound bites and so on, and, and I was just fascinated by her performance last night. I uh, thought she, she talked about so many different issues, too, with, with education and health care. I, I, I thought her solution sounded very, very, um, very sound and wondered... If your viewers are seeing it the same way. Well, let's uh, let's talk to who we're talking about with us right now, Matt Dickinson. Matt, uh, you did just mention Nikki Haley. Do you think that she did enough? I mean, at some point, this is going to have to boil down to, you know, some candidates are going to disappear from the stage. The debate requirements are going to get stricter coming up, I understand. Uh, so some candidates, the, the funding may dry, dry up. Do you think Nikki Haley, uh, after that debate performance last night, do you think that she stands to be one of the last two or three standing? I do. Uh, she came out of the first debate, got a pretty big fundraising boost. I expect she'll pick up some more support. Uh, as the caller said, she came in clearly um, with 
uh, attack strategy for her three primary my, my, uh, rivals. So, you know, she attacked DeSantis on um, banning fracking. She uh, attacked her fellow South Carolinian, Scott, um, yeah. for failing to do anything uh, as a senator on a number of issues. And, of course, her celebrated put-down line of, uh, to Ramaswamy, I feel dumber every time you, I listen to you. Um, so she knew who her uh, main rivals are, and I think she have more than held her own. And I do think that, you know, um, whether or not it's a fair statement or not, you know, she's the only woman on the stage, yeah. and I think that she managed to put a line out that was very powerful, very quick, very concise, but when she said to Tim, she turns and says, bring it, Tim. Yep. It was... It, that that I think may have been one of the lines of the night, and it was just kind of in the background, and she was ready, and and you just felt like okay, she just proved a lot of people to a lot of people that if she's in the room uh, with a bunch of world leaders, she's like bring it. It was almost uh, I thought it, it she may have had the line of the night. Yeah, you didn't see her shrinking into the background, um, and she doesn't throw gender in your face but she has referenced it in the past, quoting Maggie Thatcher, um, if you want something said, right, um, <laughs> elect a man. <laughs> if you want something done, elect a woman. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she no shrinking violet there. And um, a, a nice little contrast, too, she is appealing more to the foreign policy, uh, more traditional wing of that Republican Party compared to DeSantis. Do you what do you make of the performance of Tim Scott? It seemed like in the last debate everybody thought that he was okay, but he didn't have a moment. Um, he he had some of the the least talking amount of time in the last debate, and it it seemed like his advisors maybe told him like you got to be really aggressive this time. Yeah, there's always a risk there because you can be overly aggressive and and come across as rude and overbearing. We've seen Ramaswamy have that issue. He came out and he broke into others' time. He you know, he talked over them. Now, there is a question. He's screaming at um, Haley and cutting into her time. Uh, how does that come across? That may come across as he's a little too overbearing. But on other moments, I thought he's shown. He, uh, uh, when he speaks about race in the United States, he has a credibility that no one else does. And I thought that was one of his strongest um, statements when he talked about he's suffered racial discrimination, but the United States is not a racist country. I thought that was incredibly powerful, and then he, he had developed all that capital, if you will, and then he went down the, 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 the track about the 10 cent gas tax and the drapes in the, in the, and it was like you, you, you just made such advancement and you just, you just lost it all. Yeah, the drape the comment in particular. I mean, it was, it was just political small potatoes, and it made him look petty. It really did, I think. And, by the way, again, we're talking to Matt Dickinson from a political science professor from Middlebury College. If you have a question for Matt about last night's debate or national politics in general, give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline, 888-414-0303. And we've got a call, so uh, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning. Vivek uh, and then, to a lesser extent, uh, Scott said that the uh, 14th Amendment might not apply to the children of illegal immigrants. Uh, what's your take on that? So, to, for the background on this, the the argument here is that birthright citizenship, um, which has long been assumed to apply to anybody who is born in the United States, whether their parents are citizens or not, has become uh, something of a uh, an issue because of ways of dealing with immigration, uh, and in particular, obviously, the 
problems at the southern border. So Ramaswamy's interpretation of this is something um, most people don't agree with, the idea that there is no birthright um, guarantee for citizens, uh, sorry, children of undocumented immigrants here. Um, uh, And it's a question of whether the courts would even agree with this if it went that far. But I do think it's kind of risky. Um, I, I think it's one of these, when you think about the United States, and yes, we have a border problem, but also traditionally we've welcomed people um, who make an effort to get into this country um, as long as they do it legally. So, I, you know, I, I see what he's doing there. I don't think it's, uh, I'm not a legal scholar. I don't think the courts uh, are necessarily going to agree with him. Um, you notice Tim Scott didn't reject it. Uh, he also sort of uh, suggested this is something we've got to deal with in the courts. And so has, uh, to my knowledge, it hasn't been, but that's, it's never been challenged uh, in, uh, all the way to the Supreme Court? Not that I, not that I know of. Um, there, and again, this has come up periodically when John McCain ran for president. There was some argument that he was not a U.S. citizen since he was not born in the U.S. Um, so it's, it's not a new issue, um, but in the context of the immigration problem, it's become a potentially um, judiciable issue. Yeah, Matt, what, how much danger? You talked about uh, there's some mine, landmines out there. How much danger do you think Republicans have on the abortion issue? Uh, for example, DeSantis is still considered maybe one of the main contenders that could emerge as against against Trump. Maybe he, maybe him, maybe Nikki Haley. But he also signed a six week abortion ban that may play well in front of Republican audiences, conservative audiences. But how much of a danger do you think that is going forward if they were to be the, the nominee against the Democratic nominee, whoever, well, Joe we, Biden or whoever? Yeah, I mean, we've had candidates who have fairly stringent views on abortion. Ronald Reagan, for instance. You can win. Um, now, whether the current climate makes Republican candidates more vulnerable pro-life candidates, it's something we'll have to see a lot of the debate last night. I mean, these people have established records. You're not going to back away from DeSantis is not going to back away from his record. So you might as well do what he did, which is embrace it and essentially criticize Donald Trump for being lukewarm on um, pro-life viewpoints. Uh, it, it really comes down, I think, to a state-by-state basis. Um, the Democrats are going to make this an issue. Uh, they're going to try to paint any Republican as an extremist. Polls suggest most people that's not what drives their vote. Um, but it can if there's some sense that you're restricting abortion rights beyond what um, you know, people view as legitimate. So we'll have to see how this plays out. I, I just don't think this is something that is going to, um, for pro-life candidates, is necessarily going to cost them the, the nomination. Well, we need to take a quick two-minute break. We're talking to uh, political um, science professor Matt Dickinson from Middlebury College. Triple eight four one four zero three zero three. That's the. This is the morning drive on FM ninety six three AM six twenty News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to the morning drive, everybody, and uh, we're continuing our discussion now with Matt Dickinson from Middlebury College about last night's debate and. Well, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hi. Uh, I'm calling in. Uh, I had a, a question. Actually, I had a statement. Okay. Well, you're live on the air. Go for it. I'm live on the air. Oh, great. 
uh, we're having this discussion about the primaries, who's going to win in the election, and I don't hear anything about voter integrity uh, brought up. Maybe, maybe I missed it, but as long as there's any question about how authentic the uh, election is, it's all a moot point, I believe. You've got um, this thing about voter IDs that should be, should be shown. As long as we're having all the mail-in ballots that are going in there, it's going to be a question how authentic anything is. That's my statement. Would that, okay. keep, you, would that keep you from voting? Oh, no, I'm still going to vote, but I, um, I'm looking at it through slanted eyes. Okay. Right. I, I think there's more than enough evidence to show that there's, this has got to be cleaned up, but the fact that nobody's addressing it something that bothers me. All right. All right, Matt. Any any comment on that? How it how it affects what he what the caller just said? How it affects the election going forward? Well, your question was the key question. The question is: Is concern about voter integrity going to lead people not to vote? I mean, right now the Georgia seats are Democrat Senate seats, largely because Donald Trump discouraged voting uh, in special elections, and so that's the risk here: raising mm-hmm. that voter integrity issue. Um, is backfire it backfires by um, reducing the likelihood your base votes. That's why I asked the the list the, the caller and listener yeah. that question because you know you say it's a moot point the whole thing's a moot point does that discourage somebody who thinks that yeah. from voting which is the what we've talked about on the show before is you lost those Georgia special elections because because literally people were the president said don't one, vote one side's votes were tamped down while the others went up. Exactly. Let's, let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hey, good morning. Um, I had a question for your guest. Um, when we've got uh, these new impeachment hearings starting up on, on Capitol Hill, um, and we listen to how the media is covering the, the questions and the potential scandals with the Biden administration, um, the take that there's, they seem to be laying down, for example, um, George Stephanopoulos this morning, uh, said, well, this is the first time we're going to have an impeachment hearing with no evidence. <laughs> um, is it, when, when we have media portraying things as, well, there's no check that says, to Joe Biden for services rendered to China, um, and, and they're not going to look at this, how does this affect the, the campaign when candidates are going to have to say, yeah, we think there's something dirty going on here, but if you're not going to have uh, the media helping us to understand it well, um, how does that affect our, our ability to have fair elections? It's a good question. Well, we, um, we're, we're facing a media um, environment here that is rapidly changing. So when we talk about the media not covering the Hunter Biden scandals, um, it is the case that some media has been jumping on this issue more quickly than what we might call the traditional media, the, the mainstream media. It is getting covered. There are avenues if you want to find information. It's true that the mainstream media has been skeptical, um, and in some cases, like the initial New York Post story on the, the laptop, more than skeptical, just refusing to cover it. But they are coming around. These stories are beginning to percolate. Now, whether they'll have an impact on the race, I think, depends on how far you unravel this thread. Um, and the, one of the topics last night on the debate that came up again and again was China. That is a potential vulnerability for a Biden campaign. And if anything is uncovered that's linking Vice President Biden or 
then-candidate Biden to Hunter Biden's business deals in ways that, you know, cross an ethical line. Yeah, I think that's going to be an issue, and I do think the mainstream media will be forced to cover it. Yeah, I, I, I find it interesting um, because CNN today said that the GOP just oversimplified China, uh, which I, I, I'm annoyed I don't quite get. But uh, Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hi. It kind of boggles my mind that we have all this division about voter integrity, yada, 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 voter ID, ballot boxes. Why is it so complicated to get a national voting procedure for all federal elections where all federal elections for Senate, Congress, and President, you present a voter ID. That would solve the whole darn thing, and people could go back to feeling like their vote counts. Because I vote, and I know it doesn't count. And it is a moot point, it seems like, in a lot of elections. Okay, so let's, can't that happen? Let's, <laughs> let's go to you. Matt. Now, Matt, there's a voter who challenges whether your votes count, and she may not vote because of it. Yeah, well, that's a problem. Um, now, the voter ID law and similar types of reforms, part of the issue we're facing with is we have 50 different election jurisdictions. Uh, for the most part, there are some basic guidelines that all states have to go, uh, abide, but then they make their own rules up in terms of vote by mail and so on. So you're not going to get a uniform voting standard. But the other issue here is... Your vote doesn't count um, for a lot of reasons. In Vermont, if you're a Republican, for a lot of races, your vote doesn't count because the Republican Party can't muster a candidate. So I think if you're somebody who's concerned about voter integrity, you ought to focus your efforts out by getting some strong candidates to run, getting competitive elections, getting a two-party system viable in this state again. Um, You know, the idea that elections are being turned because of... um, fraud, there is just no documented evidence to suggest that's having an impact here. And I think um, the voter is doing herself a disfavor by letting that pre- prevent her from voting. Matt, what do you think about the, this, the fact that the Republic, there could be a shutdown of government coming up? How, if that happens, who will be blamed? What will be the impact if it's, a, if it's more than a day shut down, if it becomes something that lasts for few days or a week or more well we had a 35-day shutdown with trump as president and fight over the border wall funding republicans came out of that i think worse for wear i suspect that's going to happen again and understandably since it's these house freedom caucus individuals who have a gun to kevin mccarthy's head um, and are threatening basically to force him out of position if he negotiates a bipartisan agreement here I don't think this is in the Republicans' long-term interest to actually shut down the government in a way that um, is going to affect Joe and Jane Sixpack here. All right. Uh, and uh, just a real quick statement. I think this is probably too early for this, but Moreau Weinberger is holding a press conference today to announce his intentions, whether he's going to run or not. There are people that think that he may want to challenge, uh, may want to run for governor in the near future. Do you think that Governor Scott is going to seek re-election, or is that just way too early to even even guess about? You know, I've talked to people who know him, and they say they don't know. Uh, I think at a certain point he's going to say, I've had enough, Jim Douglas said this, left very popular. There's only so much you can do. We know what's going to happen in the next legislative session. It's going to be a fight over the budget again. Um, I don't know how often Phil Scott wants to go to the well on this, particularly when he doesn't have many allies. 
All right. Go. Yep. Got it. All right. Matt Dickinson, thanks for being on the morning drive today. We really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure, guys. Thanks. Thanks a lot today, Matt. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, they go fast, Kurt, and uh, another one's gone. Tomorrow we got a big show. The big guy, the big man, the Fox Across America, Jimmy Fela. He will be with us. Yes, we'll have one sentence only, Fluff and Stuff Friday. And you're only going to hear here on News Talk WVMT Burlington. From ABC News, I'm Derek Dennis. Freedom for U.S. Army Private Travis King held captive in North Korea since July. He got off a plane overnight in San Antonio, Texas, back on U.S. soil. Travis King, who...